0: I can remember um, literally crying as I was walking down the street talking to all these telling about what had just happened um, knowing that we're just about to settle his property um, and yeah, I just lost my job.
1: Hey! This is Property Investory where we talk to successful property investors to find out more about their stories, mindset and strategies. i Shum and in this episode, we're speaking with licensed real estate agent, developer and founder of Your Style Homes, Dean Parker. We follow his transition from unemployed IT worker to full-time property developer leading to his involvement in over 450 property transactions total over $160 million. Parker's business abides by its mission, satisfaction beyond the keys. He runs a full-service property company who strive to maximize both capital growth and rental return prospects for every single client. Through over two decades of property experience, he's done it in all and succeeded with some bumps along the way. Now his favorite activity is helping others who are perhaps just starting out.
0: I was formerly IT but I've been able to uh, get out of the IT industry uh, and uh, be a full-time property i guess investor slash educator slash developer so uh, that's what i generally spend my time doing uh well generally uh, we have a team of eight staff uh, we are running our projects so we have uh, residential and i guess commercial projects that we undertake uh, and so we're managing those projects and at the same time, uh, we're now running some educational events to try and help other people, uh, I guess, run or get into property and be effective uh, in property and to not lose money and to hopefully make some money along the way. Uh, but we also offer property management services to our clients as well. So I guess what we're trying to do is is offer a full turnkey system where people can, can I guess, first meet us via potentially an education event, um, whether that be a first home buyer event or a property investing event. Uh, They can then have a look at the type of properties that we uh, offer um, to our clients. And then if they decide to go ahead with something, uh, we can also offer property management services because I guess I got frustrated handing our properties over to uh, property managers who weren't doing a very good job at it so uh, yeah we decided to do that ourselves um, so we could offer the best possible service
1: Parker now lives and breathes property as both a rewarding career and passion but it wasn't always like this in fact this wasn't really the plan
0: uh, I was born in Ballarat in regional Victoria and stayed there I think till I was about grade two or grade three uh, I missed I think almost all of grade two because I had um I, had a, I got salmonella, which was a um, a disease, well, it wasn't really, it was a sickness, let's call it, that no one really knew about at the time, um, and although it wasn't contagious um, and although I did get very sick from it, I um, was in hospital for a significant amount of time. Um, I, I missed the whole of grade two, I think, because, um, again, because it wasn't very well known at the time. Um, I ended up having to, I was basically stopped from going to school. So I did schooling from home that year, but then uh, the year after we moved to, to Melton, which was, um, I guess, probably about an hour out of the city, out of Melbourne. Um, and that's where I, I guess, finished off my primary schooling and did all of all of my high school. Now I went from high school straight into uni and did a double degree. So I went to Deakin Uni down in Geelong and did a Bachelor of Commerce, majoring in accounting and management, and also a bachelor of science, majoring in information systems. Now it was four years for that course, um, full time. So yeah, I got that course finished in full time, and then, I guess with that education, um, it 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 worked best to go into an IT job that required some accounting knowledge. So uh, I started as an accountant for a very short period of time, just through a, a friend's. Uh, business to get some experience but then um, was able to get a job at IBM uh, and worked for IBM for a few years uh, before uh, being headhunted uh, by a Melbourne company and then moving into Melbourne and, and working there for a few years as well.
1: From the outside looking in, Parker's career in IT was on the rise. However, for Parker himself, something just wasn't right.
0: I wouldn't say I was happy being an IT person. Probably, Um, I went there probably because it was an interest at the time, and I guess my parents had probably—we never really had a lot of of money as a Um, family—and my mum always wanted me to go off and educate myself and, and I guess, try to create a better life. So, um, yeah, I went went to uni and did that sort of course. Um, probably because, yeah, as I said at the time, it was an interest, but I guess I wasn't a big fan of sitting behind a, a desk day in, day out, um, just working on computer programs, which is basically what I was. So I was a, a web designer to start with and then went into, a, I guess, a system analyst role. So I'd go into businesses and actually help, to, help them define their systems and then um, actually build them for them. So um, I guess that's what I was doing. But yeah, I guess it wasn't overly exciting so I, I was always looking for something else but the I guess that property thing came about because um, I realized that we were, it was going to take forever to save up for a dwelling so it was it was more about let's have a look at property and, and see what we can do there and see if we can make some money in that way.
1: For Parker and his now wife, the daily grind was now taking its toll without any reward. They felt there had to be another way that was better it really took a well-known property expert to help them settle on property as their escape.
0: Uh, I guess that's how we got started. So I was an IT person, my wife was an IT person and we were looking for a way to, I guess, improve our lives and I mean when I say improve our lives, we're both on reasonably good salaries, um, we were in a position though where we had finance cars and we were saving trying to save for a house and um, we realised that we were probably going backwards rather than forwards. So uh, we figured that we had to do something different outside of our jobs in order to um, save for a deposit quickly. So we were looking at all sorts of things, shares and anything that we could find at all to um, to try and make some money. Um, and I guess it was through uh, the first book, or not first book, but the main book that I probably, um, I guess, had a, a significant liking to was Stephen Knight's book, Zero to 130 Properties in three and a half years. So I guess that particular book um, was full of really good educational content and then uh steve at that time was running educational events and although we'd been to probably at least a dozen if not more um different speaking events trying to find i guess a solution to making more money um and quicker um steve was probably the first guy that we met that seemed to be very legitimate um and had really good content so for me now um because I don't think there's anyone really out there doing that. And I know Steve uh, doesn't do live events anymore himself. Um, we want to basically, I guess, fill that void and provide those live education events to people um, based on actually experience of what we've done over the last 14 years. And that's, um, yeah, we've we've done a fair bit in the last 14 years. So I'm happy to, really looking forward to passing that information on.
1: There are other investment tools than property, so why was Parker reading about property in the first place?
0: I think it was probably just because it was the easiest thing to understand. Like, I we'd never owned shares again, as I said before. My we never had a real a lot of money. My my parents weren't tertiary educated or anything like that. Um, my old man had worked at Australia Post for a long long time, and my mum was a nurse, so there was not like there was a whole heap of um, I guess education or anything passed down. Um, and not to say that like I'm, I'm not happy about that from them it's just they didn't know what they didn't know so um so yeah so from that point of view um it was probably just fundamentally from from my parents I guess being it being a good person doing the right thing I guess that's what we got from them but realistically property was more about just the fact that it was it was something familiar I mean everyone lives in a house you sort of understand how it works a bit so um, I guess that works but shares were were pretty foreign, that was like another language to me so um, I, I thought property was a was an easier thing to get into. Having
1: made up his mind, Parker had to act. Like so many first investments, it wasn't exactly smooth sailing.
0: I guess it was searching for that better life but to just, um, we, we actually were able to, I guess when we, to go back what we, when we were living in the city. We were trying to buy an apartment in there um, and, I mean, we were leasing in the city and we were realising that's when we were going backwards because when we were paying for our our, um, our cars and our, our rent and our lifestyle that we had in there, uh, we actually, I think we, we'd started with about $8,000 of savings, well, at least did I, I don't think I had anything. Um, at the end of that year, we'd actually gone backwards a little bit, so... Um, that was the first thing, and I guess that led to then the realisation that we were not going to be able to afford to to buy something in the city, which was pretty devastating. Um, so we had to look for other options, and the first place we bought was, uh, my wife called it the Stinky Brown Unit, which was this very cheap two-bedroom, Mission Brown, um, very mouldy unit that we bought in Melton, which is... Probably the lowest socio-economic area in in Melbourne. Um, well, it was at the time. It was the cheapest housing, but um, that's that's where we that's where we bought. Um, but I guess the the other thing that happened uh, three weeks before settlement was that I actually lost my job. So I'd been in IT uh, for oh, what maybe five or six years at that time. I'd gone. Through, I was at IBM. I'd been headhunted by this other company, um, and then we walked into uh, the into work one day and there was about 50 staff um, and 25 of us went into one room and the other 25 went into another and I was unfortunately in the room where I was told to um, our service was were no longer required and to head back to our desk grab our personal belongings, not to not to touch the computers or the files or anything and to and to exit as quickly as we possibly could without any fuss and to and that, that was it basically we'd get paid. Four weeks of pay, and and thank you very much. And at that time, IT jobs were hard to find, so I can remember um, literally crying as I was walking down the street, talking to all these, telling about what had just happened, um, knowing that we we're just about to settle his property, um, and yeah, I just lost my job. So that probably was realistically the catalyst for for trying to take a bit more control of our life. To go, you know what, I, we just don't want to be in a position where um, we go to work and one day someone can just take that blanket out from underneath you. So it was more being more control of our life and control of our own destiny. So, yeah, that's definitely was a factor. Um, I mean, it was the, I guess, the combination of all of those things to say, hey, well, a job's not going to get us there, but, oops, hold on, now the job's no longer there. We need to go up and do something different.
1: Parker would love to say his circumstances changed as quickly as his mindset. However, the reality of his story is much more impactful.
0: It took me another eight months to get a job. Like I I was doing some consulting to some businesses in the short term, but IT was hard at that time. That whole millennium bug thing had gone through and the IT industry really expanded, but then as that cooled off, then the IT jobs uh, got harder to find. But I I eventually did get another IT job um, and and was doing that when we really started looking hard for, for those other options to get out of, um, out of our jobs and to, I, I mean I got that job just to keep us going until we could find a solution and, and that's when we really started looking into that property side of things.
1: When we don't see results straight away, it's hard not to lose hope. This is especially the case without the benefit of a property education. For Parker, this truth hits close to home.
0: No, I just one, yeah, I've got one younger sister. She's a dental nurse, so she's um she still lives uh, in Melton. my parents both oh, my, my my they've actually separated now unfortunately, but my parent lives in um, in Werribee, and my mum still lives in Melton in the same house I was brought up in and my sister lives just around the corner basically so yeah they're um they do their thing they don't really understand a lot of what I do um, and it, I can remember when we started really getting into property, my mum was always um, questioning what we were doing and very concerned because I'd gone off to uni, done all this degree and then all of a sudden she felt that I was going to throw that all away uh, by renovating houses and things, which we that's what we started doing basically. Um, so she thought we were a little bit crazy for, for doing that and for giving up all that education that uh, we'd undertaken, but I guess she didn't realise that all of that education actually was helping us with what we were doing. So, I mean, maybe not the IT stuff straight away, but definitely the accounting degree and the management degree. And that helped us obviously do the financials for our for the deals that we started doing and then managing the people that we we're working with. And as we've progressed, our our business is, is definitely heavily focused on IT and that systems analyst uh, role that I was doing. We've We were able to create a whole heap of systems around what we did. And I think that's Fundamentally, why we were able to do so much in such a short period of time, um, as as opposed to I guess what other people can or have been achieving.
1: Despite his immense success in property, the only sale Parker has yet to pull off is sadly one of the most important: his extended family.
0: To be honest, they don't really, um, they don't really ask that much. Uh, they know what we do, but it's not like they go out to our projects or, I mean, I've got friends and. And other people that are definitely a lot more interested, they they know we're in property and we run a property business, but they don't know that we're building. I mean, my mum probably has been out to one or two of the projects, but, but not a lot. They don't. Um, yeah, it's interesting. It's it's one of those things that when you, um, I can remember, I guess, going to off all these education events, and one of the things that Steve would always say um, early on was that, you're going to find that people are going to probably knock you down more than more than support you because they don't understand what's going on, and and that was definitely the case for us early on. Um, most of our friends and family just didn't understand what we were doing and thought we were probably going to some cult rather than, um, I guess, going somewhere to to educate ourselves and better our lives. So, um, and realistically, they still don't really understand it, I guess. Um, and that's, I mean, we went with. Once we started in that education thing, and 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 learnt that that support network was really great, but um, like we did that for years and years and years, and went to plenty of events, and then helped out at events, and and that's why I'm really passionate about, um, I, I guess, about bringing those really good, high quality training events back, um, because I think for us especially, that's where it all began, and that was our opportunity to break out of a, I guess. A pattern of of a lifestyle that um, that my parents and sister still live, and yeah, we've been able, to I guess, get out of that and build significant wealth and and be different. So I'm I'm really grateful for it.
1: On the path to becoming different, Parker's first property purchase was certainly unique and had special qualities.
0: Basically, because it was cheap, um, we like I said, we had very little money to start with. Um, basically nothing. I think we'd, we'd used a lot of that savings that we'd had. So, um, and we didn't really want to rely on family members to, to give us a start. So at the time, there was a $7,000 first homeowner's grant that uh, that we could get. So what we did, that I think we paid $77,000 for that unit and the grant was 7000 and we got a 95% loan, which meant we needed about... $3,700 or whatever it was as a deposit. Uh, there was some lender's mortgage insurance in there and some legal fees. But I'm pretty sure on settlement day, we actually got paid like $800 or something for settling that property. So we didn't put any of our own money into it at all. So the grant paid for the p- deposit um, and the bank paid for the rest. So from that point of view, that was the only way we could really get into the into the market. The plan was to live in it, um, but as I said, I lost my job just prior to settling it and we actually, I don't know how I convinced Elise to do it because we'd only really just started dating not that long earlier but um, we actually moved back into my parents' um, house. So,
1: Pretty much at rock bottom, Parker's fortunes could only improve. Looking back now, he think it's hilarious that they really didn't, at least not in the ways he expected.
0: This first property that was really a step backwards anyway because we were living in, in South Bank in Melbourne, having this great life. We've got this realisation that we can't afford it. Um, we've gone and bought this terrible mouldy, stinky unit in Melton and then we can't even afford to, to move into that cause I'm, because I lost my job. So, um, so yeah, it wasn't a great start uh, back then, but but that's what we did. And I guess we were, to, we were willing to sacrifice, I guess, to get in and that's probably one thing looking back. And I guess if you talk about help, like helping people out, that's it's definitely one thing that we did. We um, we made sure that we that we made decisions that were for the future and not for the now, and, and that was part of that. So we, yeah, as I said, we moved in with my parents and swallowed a pretty bitter pill and um, stayed there for I think almost a year to save up some money um, to in order to buy another property.
1: Undeterred by his bad luck, all Parker and his then girlfriend could do was see out their plan to the end.
0: We did a very we went a, we went we did a very quick tidy up basically. So I can remember like there was mold in the shower and everywhere, and we like I got in there and scrubbed it all out and took the grout out and we had someone come around and reseal it. And we just cleaned the place up, but we we're actually able to rent it out for hundred and fifty dollars a week. So it actually meant that it was a positively geared property. Uh, which was good. So we accidentally stumbled across that. It wasn't um, it, it wasn't a purpose purposely uh, bought property for that um, positive cash flow, but that's what it ended up being, which was great. Um, and the good thing, I guess, about that is because it was such a good rent. Um, and it, by the time we'd sort of done that quick little clean up, it was it was neat and tidy, although it was still brown. Um, I think it was probably about. Eighteen months later, we were able to refinance and take some equity out of it um, to actually use for other purposes.
1: With a little luck and a lot of hard work, Parker had conquered his first property challenge victoriously. Feeling confident, it was on to the next.
0: At that time, we didn't—I didn't know Steve when we first out, when we bought our first property, so um, we bought that one. As I said, we saved up uh, that next 12 months and had some money and then used the equity out of that little unit that we had bought to buy another house. Uh, So we bought a house again in Melton because now we're there, we sort of figured, all right, well, we sort of know this area now. Um, And look, that's where my parents were at the time anyway, so that sort of worked out all right. So, yeah, we went um, and bought another house and it was – Half renovated, so it was a husband and wife that had separated halfway through a renovation. Had half a kitchen, the bathroom had been renovated, but basically some of the walls had been pulled out. Um, there was tiles on some of the floor and not others. It was just a mess, but that was perfect for what we wanted because we were happy to get in there and actually do our first, I guess, renovation. Um, and again, it was it, that was something that took us 18 months. Oh, sorry, 12 months to actually complete. Um, but by the end of it, because we have done all the work ourselves, we made a, a pretty substantial gain out of that as well, which was good.
1: Success is often spoken of in the same sentence as sacrifice. Parker's experiences confirm this truth, but he's actually gained much more than money.
0: We lived in it for the 12 months. That's why it took 12 months because uh, we were we're still both working full time. So we would, and at this time. Um, the thing we didn't realise um, when you move out to Melton um, to buy a cheaper property um, is that if you, li- if you work in the city like we both were doing, it was taking us an hour and a half to get in there, an hour and a half to get back. So um, the traffic over the Westgate Bridge was a nightmare. So we would uh, basically just work during the week and then um, Friday night, Saturday and Sunday we would get the paintbrushes out or get whatever we could uh, and do as much work as we could over the weekend. Um, and again, our f- friends and family thought we were mad because they were all off playing sport or doing whatever they were doing. And we were just working to try and get this renovation done. Uh, but that took us 12 months to actually turn that three bedroom, one bathroom house into, into a place that we could actually say was finished. But um, yeah, we, we lived in it half renovated or quarter renovated or partly renovated the whole time, basically. So uh, it was, again, it was another little challenge that we undertook, but yeah, but it was worth it in the long run. So it was actually good fun. We, we actually really both enjoyed it and we both got our hands dirty and it was um, – I look back at photos now and there's photos of us both painting and one of the funny things that I, I look back at a photo the other day and when I was preparing a presentation actually and we had these – um was this paint system we bought at a home show and they're these like pads and um, that were at the home show and they told us it was the quickest way to paint a house. And we got sucked into that and used these things, and it took us probably five times longer to paint than if we had to use rollers and a brush. Um, And, yeah, we obviously don't do that. I mean, we learnt that rollers and a brush were better because that's what every other painter used. But anyway, we got sucked into this stupid pad system thing, and, yeah, that's probably why uh, the renovation took us a lot longer than what it it should have because, again, neither of us had any trade background at all. This was just us having a bit of a crack as, as kids, so it was good.
1: Some investors are satisfied with a few positive property experiences. After his third flip, Parker could have stopped then and there with a healthy gain.
0: We bought those two properties, and then we were able to we we, re- we renovated that one, and then we were able to pull the equity out of that to buy a third. So we had three properties, but then we had um, we basically maxed out. We couldn't do anything else thereafter. So that's when we actually went to Steve's – that's when I read the book. That's when we went to Steve's seminars and things like that. We realised that the only way to move forward uh, would be to sell those properties. So we actually sold all three of them uh, in the next six months um, in order to free up all of that capital then to go off and and do the next project. Um, But, yeah, so I guess at the time of – from the education onwards, um, which was 2004 – Oh, halfway through 2003 I think, um, yeah so the, in that 14 years after, we've been involved in 454 property transactions which um, works out to about one sale or purchase of a property every 11 days during that period of time so yeah, we've been pretty busy.
1: Over 400 property transactions, Parker's got some real stories to tell. He says if you've seen some of the things he has, you never say the real estate world is boring
0: it's actually a tough one because i get asked that a lot and we haven't had a necessarily bad project uh, or property deal um i guess the only thing that would spring to my mind is a as a property we bought in ballarat um that i can remember the the day after we bought it we went, or it had settled we walked into it and i fell through the floor of it um but but, but we didn't know that we were going to redo the floor anyway but um But, yeah, look, we've definitely seen some very interesting types of houses over the years. Um, We've renovated 220-something properties and built another 200-something properties. So, um, yeah, through that time, there's been definitely some very interesting and um, odd-looking houses that we've bought and and done over that period. Well, we definitely had one that had been used uh, as a drug house. So. there was it was this same agent we'd gone through um and you i'd I'd walked into the garage, so th- this is one we didn't buy, but we bought the what the next one we looked at this day, but we've gone into it, and the garage from the outside looked really big, and then you you got into it and there's like the garage didn't look as big on the inside, and they would built this fake wall at the back of it um in steel, but there was this little bit you could slide out, and then all of a sudden in the back of that that's where they' were growing their... The drugs, which is incredible. This is Melton for you, unfortunately. Um, but then the the house that we did buy at auction, um, actually it wasn't at auction. It went to auction. We bought it afterwards. Um, so when we started renovating that, we we found all of the um, the holes in the ceiling where they had all the exhaust fans. So like in the bedrooms, there was two bedrooms at the front of the house that had. Um, Basically, about 20 exhaust fan holes in in both those bedrooms, and that also um, that also cut the power or the power where it came into the actual building. That actually modified that to go straight to these fans rather than to the electrical switchboard or the meter board, so that no one would knew how much power they're using. So, pretty sophisticated types of uh, setups that uh, we'd uncovered, but. But yeah, there's, there was that. Anything from that to 100-year-old houses that were renovated to um, to places that were just completely, sadly, just very dirty and um, where People had lived there as tenants for 10, 20 years, and that just not been maintained by anyone. And so we've been able to move some 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 people out of properties they really shouldn't have been living in any way into better properties. So. So from that point of view, it's yeah, it's been a mixed bag of all sorts of things.
1: But how did Parker start the transition from small-time investor to multi-million-dollar developer? The better question is probably not how, but who.
0: Look, I think probably the realization, or I mean, we, we started by doing everything us by doing everything ourselves, and I can remember um, Steve and Dave always. Um, and when I say Dave, Dave, Dave Bradley, so we were, I guess, we got very close with with both of those guys, having, um, I guess, been to a lot of their events and things. Um, and we did go to the Kiwi Adventure, which was a which was a trip that they, um, I guess, I think it was about twenty of us that went over to New Zealand, and it was about how to buy positive cash flow properties over there. So we, the first day, you sit in a room, um, and they teach you about the property market and. How to buy what a contract is, and had a solicitor come in, an accountant come in, and make sure you structured it properly, and all that sort of thing, and basically how the numbers would work, and um, and then at the end of it, end of that first day, it was basically then five days to go off and buy a property, and then come back at the end of the week and report back to to the group of how many positive cash flow properties um, that you'd bought. So. I remember um, we didn't have, again, we had some money when I went over there, but not a lot. Like it was more for me, it was about getting experience and again, just more education. Uh, But I went over there and uh, we bought, I bought a couple of houses, I think. Um, I bought a house for like 50 grand that was rented out for $125 a week. And another um, duplex that was, I think about 75 grand that was rented for $120 each, Um, but uh, at the end of the week, uh, I got back and there was about four properties, and we didn't have enough money to to pay for these anyway. Like I was going to have to talk to people when I got home to try and source the money.
1: Parker says being placed in an environment of accountability with like-minded people took his journey to the next level. In the property space, these kind of once-in-a-lifetime opportunities don't come up every day. Parker never wants to take it for granted.
0: I guess that was one thing in itself, was actually stepping out my comfort zone to do that. Uh, But when we went back, um, I remember um, I'd I'd actually seen a block of four units uh, that was for sale. And it was right at the end, I went, I can't afford this. Like, even though it's a really good positive cash flow deal, I can't do it. But I'd gone back to to report back and I was telling people about this block of units and and Dave Bradley uh, and Steve overheard me. and i can remember one of them okay i think it was steve um challenged me basically and said dean that's probably the best positive cash flow deal that anyone's found and you left it there like what's going on i said well i don't have enough money to buy it and i remember the words were if the deal's good enough the money will come and those words have stayed with me forever because we've i guess we've never bought hundreds of properties and and not necessarily ever had the money to to settle them at the time I've bought them but I've always been able to find a way because um, if the deal's good enough, the money has gone.
1: It was time to put his money where his mouth was or go home. Depending on the outcome, Parker's next decision could ruin his finances or even his relationships.
0: So what happened was he said you've got 10 minutes to call that agent and buy it yourself otherwise I'm going to do it as in I'll buy it myself and you'll miss out on it. I'm like, all right, well, there's a challenge. So yeah, I called up the agent and bought the property. Um, and I think it was we paid eighty-two thousand dollars for four two-bedroom units in Tokoroa, and they were rented for one hundred and fifteen dollars each. So this was like four hundred and sixty bucks of income on eighty grand. So it was a huge yield um, and better than anything that was going on out there. And um, Through talking to all these agents during that week, I've realised that there was one agent that was selling property um, based on yield. So that that particular property, um, we sold about four months later for, I think, $170,000 because we'd gone to an agent that was a city agent that was selling stuff purely based on return. So um, he said, I can get you 12% return and we might have bought the thing for 19 or 20%. I can't remember exactly what it was, but... So we just gave it to him and he sold it. So we did nothing. I don't think I even went through the property at all, um, and we made about seventy or eighty grand um, after all costs. And and that so one it taught me about if the deal is good enough, the money will come. But that particular deal allowed me then to take a year off work because we just earned a year of salary um, basically in that one deal to actually take that next step to go. You know what? We're going to do this full time. So. Um, That was definitely um, a a, a moment that that definitely changed our life, that's for sure. And if you want to call it an aha moment, that that, that was definitely something that happened at that time. I guess it was just that all these little things that were learning outcomes in that one trip meant um, yeah, that we could actually take a year off and I could have a red red hot crack at at, uh, doing property full time.
1: Parker's property adventure was starting to become more than an occasional bonus check. It was time to take the next step.
0: So what we started doing, um, I, I took a year of unpaid leave from work so I still had my job which was important because um, that meant we had serviceability for, for our loans. It was interesting that IT company I'd gone to, remember I said I'd got um, that other job So um, they were called Expert Information Services and then what happened, they got bought by an Indian company who was trying to basically outsource it all. So the the plan for them was to eventually get rid of all the staff anyway, to basically take all the knowledge and to replace it with Indian um, cheaper labour. So at that time, it was just fortunate that I could sit there and go, you know what, Um, can I have a, a, a year of unpaid leave? And they went, that suits us fine, like because realistically we don't have to retrench you, and hopefully you go anyway so from that point of view yeah whether it was good timing but it wasn't too long after that when we started um, getting a lease out of her job as well um, and for her it was start by cutting back a day a week so in a review uh, when they instead of offering a, a salary increase what she said was can I cut back to four days a week and then the next I think it was six months later she actually went back and said hey I want to cut back another day so she ended up being two days a week with her employer until we got to the point where she could then also leave her job full time.
1: From a profit standpoint, Parker probably could have left his job much earlier. He certainly wasn't enjoying it. So why did he stick around as long as he did?
0: It was serviceability for the banks. So. There's obviously two parts of a loan. There's one having a deposit, and there's two having serviceability, which means your your ability to pay that loan back from the or to the bank. So, um, yeah, that's why we kept the jobs uh, for as long as we could until we could until we had a proven track record of income from the properties. So that that just, there was a transition period there, uh, why that happened.
1: While it was great finally turning property into a career, Parker says the first few years were like the start of most businesses. Pretty tight.
0: But the other thing that we did during that time was we we joint ventured with people who had incomes, uh, in order to I guess leverage their serviceability as well. So there was all these little tricks and things we were doing. So we were just joint venture again because we didn't have a whole heap of money. Um, we still didn't have money. Like any money we had, we we buying like New Zealand property, for example. Um, so when I first got back from there and I took that year off, we started doing renovation projects. Um, and we, yeah, we just joint ventured with a whole heap of people. So I, I remember doing um, some deals with a plumber and a builder um, at the tennis club that I played with, and the neighbours uh, from that very first house that we renovated, the one that took twelve months when we lived in it. Um, we we became good friends with the with the neighbours next door, and they were in their their 60s at the time, and they had a block of land in Tasmania that they owned outright that had some equity in it, so we used that equity to buy a house, um, and then we did the work. We all did the work together, but they actually put all the money into it. Um, So there was a whole heap of these things that we did in order to, um, I guess, to do as many projects as we possibly could. We, I guess going back to that, if the deal's good enough, the money will come. We just kept finding projects and then kept finding money partners in order to do it. Um, and although we were giving away a lot of the profits at that time, like we'd share profits 50-50 or whatever, um, we were gaining incredibly good experience and also building a track record for the banks, um, showing them that we could actually do this sort of stuff.
1: Only a few months after getting started, Parker and his wife settled into a handy niche, the renovations. Combining their business backgrounds and property experience, they created a repeatable system.
0: We might have done 50 renos or maybe 40 or 50 renos before we started development and we, we were able to create a really good system around it. So we were doing, most of the houses we were doing were brick veneer, on slab um, and they were just cosmetic Maybe kitchens and bathrooms, but paint, landscaping, and just bringing them back to life. Um, so yeah, we we created this spreadsheet to control our costs. And the other th- key thing that we did is we understood finance. And what we learned was that you could get an on completion valuation done. So if we bought a house for two hundred thousand, um, we we could give the specifications to the bank and say, here's what it here's what the specs are. We want to get an on completion val done, and they'd They'd go off to a buyer and say, here it is, and they'd go to check out that property, and they'd come back and say, all right, well, if you do all these things to it, it's going to be worth $260,000 at the end. So by doing that, that meant that the minute we finished the property, we could actually pull the equity out that we've created and push that into our next deal. So that was a key for, again, for doing lots of projects because, I guess, generally what people do, they buy a property they renovate it, they don't know how much they're going to spend, they get out the other end, they don't know what it's going to be worth and then they sit there and leave it on the market for two or three months and then it takes another two or three months to settle and then they get the money at the end, which is probably a bit lucky because they don't know, they didn't budget properly and they didn't know what it was going to be worth out the other end um, and then they don't, like they're not using that money effectively but by creating those systems around the renovations, that's how we actually were able to to know pretty clearly what we were going to make um, and how quickly we could do it and then how quick we could get that money out to stick it back straight back into another project. And and that's one of the key reasons why we're able to do so many renos so quickly. Like, as I said, we've we've renovated 200 plus properties in that time. like, And that was because we, we just did heaps of those and we created this really good system and we used the same colours and the tiles and everything else was all the same. And um, it was just a cookie cutter machine that we just put a property into and it Spat out a profit, basically, which was great.
1: Things were going well for Parker, at least in the small bubble of renovation. His next turn was another moment of not how, but
0: who. We did a lot of the work early on, um, but yeah, it got to the point where we couldn't do the work all ourselves because we just had too many projects that we were doing. Um, and I guess the, the catalyst for development was, um, again, at one of... Um, PropertyInvesting.com uh, events. Um, we were we would use we used to help out at the events. So um, when you'd help out at the end of the event, Steve would take all the helpers out to a dinner um, just to thank us for for helping out the, at the event. Um, and look, they were always great for us because one we got to learn, and two, um, yeah, the the after event where you sat down with Steve and the team was always probably the best. Was, that was better than actually going to the event because you got to you got to sit down with Steve and talk to him for an hour and you also get to, whoever the speaker was at the time you used to sit down and have a really good conversation with them. So it was actually at one of those after events we met a guy called Martin Nails. No idea who, who he was, but I ended up sitting beside him and um, at, at one of these post event dinners um and he was there to check out he was going to start speaking uh with steve so he'd, he'd been over to just have a look at how steve ran his events and things and we got talking and he's telling me what he was doing over there and i said oh well i've never really thought about it he said oh, mate i've renovated heaps of stuff you like developing's not that hard you should come over and check out what we're doing so anyway i think we paid him Fifteen hundred bucks or two grand to go over there for one day. So he just said, I'll come over and I'll I'll allocate a day to you, and we were happy to pay that money because in the big scheme of things, we thought, oh well, we're going to learn a lot. Um, So we sat basically. He picked us up from the airport. We drove around all day, looked at what he did. He looked at a I think he bought a site that day. Um, He literally did back of the envelope numbers. I'm not not saying that that's how we we do it now, but that's that's what he did at the time. But I mean, that's what he he had a cookie cutter machine for what he was doing.
1: They say you should never meet your heroes, but Parker has no idea why. From that moment onwards, he would see things that only few people could.
0: He would basically buy a house, build two in the backyard, and he just knew what it would cost to build him. He knew what he could pay for the land, and he knew he could sell these things for. So he had, I guess, a similar sort of process and system set up for developing that we had for renovations. So, the, the thing was after coming back all of a sudden we, we looked at the pro- property differently altogether because although all these houses we were renovating um, which was all great, but now we could we could see if a, if a house had a big block of land all of a sudden we could renovate the house plus build one in the backyard. Uh, and that's where it all began and that's, that's what happened there was a, that, that first property I was telling you about uh, that had all the drug the um, stuff in it, that was a property that had gone to auction. That had passed in, um, and I was trying to make it work from a renovation point of view, and couldn't make the numbers work. We went over to see Marty. Talks about the stuff in the backyard, and then all of a sudden, I come back and relook at that property. It's, it's sitting on 800 square meters of land, and we can stick a easily stick a townhouse in the backyard. So, we bought it that next week, and all of a sudden, there's our first development site. Um, so, um, and that's what happened basically.
1: Parker doesn't think you could sum up what sets him apart from other investors, at least not in one skill or strategy. However, if you had to come close, here's what he says.
0: All deals are all about the numbers fundamentally. So whether it's a renovation or development, we've got feasibilities that we run uh, as part of our due diligence. I mean we never buy anything whether it be a renovation or a development without a due diligence clause um because one I don't want to sit there and waste time on a project only for it to be sold to someone else because our due diligence is very particular so we always want to get it under contract then we do our due diligence um, if we need to negotiate the price at the end of that we do um, if we don't then we just we go unconditional but that due diligence process is all about uh, understanding the numbers and 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 um, and making sure lock it, locking in any quotes or anything we need to do and going from there so I'm going to give you one example um, I and just from a pricing point of view, uh, when we were doing the projects in Ballarat, and Ballarat's obviously a regional part of Melbourne and, and very, or Victoria, I should say, um, and very affordable type of property. Um, and we went from Ballarat to Brisbane. So we moved up here in 2011. Um, and we, we'd gone from doing townhouses that were selling for, so these are two and three bedroom townhouses that were selling for in between like two hundred twenty and 250000 for a freestanding um, 120 square metre townhouse, and then all of a sudden we go up to Brisbane um, and we're buying property in Coorparoo, which is about 5k's out of the city, um, and for a block of seven apartments, which was the first project we bought up here, it was two million dollars. It's just that the numbers did change a bit, and so instead of instead of um, buying raw land for sort of 20 to 30 to 40 thousand dollars a site, all of a sudden you're paying 80 to 90 to 100 grand a site instead of instead of selling for two hundred thousand you're selling for four to five hundred thousand or I mean we're selling properties for six sevens eights nines million dollars now so um, which is yeah not unusual but when you're doing tens and 20s and 30s of them at one time those numbers start getting pretty big so we've gone from literally paying nothing or selling a brand new finished product in Victoria for 200 grand and now all of a sudden we're paying 10 times that to buy a block of a, like a, an existing built in the 1970s needing a full renovation block of apartments so um, that was a, again just another mindset thing to go well hold oh, on that's a hell of a lot of money all of a sudden but when we did our feasibility and understood that we could buy it for that and sell it for something else and and knew exactly what we were going to spend on the renovation works, and and how much the holding cost would be, and where the risks were, and getting that on completion valuation done throughout the process, we could take away a lot of the risk. And and fundamentally, it doesn't matter what the purchase price is; it's all about, I guess, reducing the risks of of what you're going to be doing uh, in order to to make the project work.
1: The bad news is that not everyone is born with a natural talent for project management. As Parker knows, the good news is that you don't have to in order to be successful.
0: Look, it's mindset but it's, I guess, fundamentally across the board, it's education. It's, it's knowledge. Like we continually, I guess, educated ourselves and built up our knowledge and experience to the point that you feel confident in doing those projects and you feel confident in your numbers and, and the process. So when we came up here... We didn't obviously assume that we could pay the same amount for a kitchen up here that we were doing in Ballarat. We turned around and went, let's go off and get some quotes for kitchens up here. So let's find out how much the kitchens are going to be. Let's, and in our renovation process, like we've got hundreds of things that we price, so we would price every single single, every single item in there to make sure that we we were sure in our numbers. So realistically, it's just knowledge and process um, that takes the fear away. Um, the the num the the mindset about the number is not i mean it's there because it's another it can be another zero like we were never doing million dollar projects and realistically now most of our projects are over 10 million dollars so um, but realistically the process that we follow was the same it's just that we we're, we're dealing with a bigger number now
1: parker's attention to detail might seem a bit extreme However, it's only because he's seen the consequences of investing in the dark.
0: Oh, look! I think um, my my advice would be it's all about the numbers. Um, I'm sure someone's probably told me that before, um, but fundamentally, all projects it's would take your emotion and everything else aside. Um, it's just being diligent in understanding your feasibility um, of. I've been doing a little, we've just started doing some, some speak again uh, just recently. And a lot of people are coming up to me afterwards, telling me about all these deals that they're doing, where, they're, where they, they didn't know the prices to get in and they've jumped in and they've done the project and not really had any process to follow. And they're losing like significant amounts of money. Like a couple that I met just last week, um, down at Steve's last mega conference, um, told me about a, a project that they bought here that they uh, we're going to try and stick one in the backyard and they've now found out that they can't build anything in the backyard because of a, um, it's called an overland flow path, which is not flooding, but it's actually just where water would run through in a very heavy rain. Um, and that stops them from developing it. So this is their first investment um, and they're going to lose hundred grand. Like they put about 120 to 150 grand in and they're going to lose hundred of that in their first go. So, I mean, for me, it's it, one. It's all about the numbers, and it's two. Just educate yourself, like seriously. Um, that's why I want to get back into this stuff. I, I hate hearing about that sort of thing. Like, we've been lucky enough to to be mentored by by people who have drilled that into us enough. But for people who are out there that that don't get that or think, oh, I'm not going to pay for education. I'll just have a go at it seriously, there's too much to risk. It's We're not buying a, a DVD here or a, or a new bike or a new car. We're paying hundreds of thousands of dollars for a property and these things can go pear-shaped very quickly, whether it's just a simple investment property or whether it's a renovation or whether it's a development. There's just so many things to consider uh, before going into this. So yeah, I'm just passionate about helping people out and, and getting them on the right track again.
1: Parker is so full of real fascinating stories of risk and reward that twist and turn as much as any narrative. It seems a miracle he and his wife have come out on the other side in one piece. He says miracles aren't the reasons of success but instead, some crucial personal qualities are.
0: I think one thing that Elise and I are are, are very good at is just getting something finished. Um, There's always, we, we call it project fatigue. We can, you can get into a project and it can get a bit hard and you get to the end of a reno and you've got all those last little bits to do and those last little bits take the longest time, but we would just get it done before we moved on to the next thing. And some people can get a bit bored and like, oh, I just want this to finish and all, all of a sudden try and start doing something else first, but we would just get in and if we had a project, we would get it finished and we wouldn't let it, I guess, simmer away and then be a problem. So, yeah, that's probably, um, I think that's a trait that we've definitely, uh, I think, is a good thing. Um, but uh, look, I think just communication and doing the right thing by people. Um, like the reason why we always had uh, trades that would work for us and that were always show up is because we paid every week. Um, we, we had a weekly pay run because we understood that that was important to trades was to get paid. So, some builders didn't pay them or they paid them like in a month or whatever. So, um, trades aren't necessarily um, the best at managing their cash, especially when it can be sporadic when it comes in when you've got your own business. So it's it's pretty fundamental to to, to get paid uh, at all but on a weekly basis made it even more appealing. So that was just something that like some of the things that we did was to say, all right well if you get your invoices in by by Sunday night then they'd definitely get paid by Tuesday. Look, that was just the rule that we had and everyone knew it, and that's why we had people that were always happy to work for us. I guess another thing that Dave Bradley definitely um, instilled into us was cash flow, um, and just making sure that we knew how knew what cash flow meant, and to make sure that we always have enough money. Um, and I guess that comes back to those feasibilities again that we we're talking about that. We wouldn't just factor in renovation costs, but you also factor in your holding costs and some extra holding costs and everything else to make sure that you had enough money to finish the project um, so that you're not halfway through going, oh, we need more. What are we going to do? We would always get all of the capital we needed up front and make sure that we had it all there and then, uh, yeah, obviously made that project very smooth thereafter.
1: For all his wealth of property knowledge and experience, Parker's advice is simple.
0: Have a crack. Get in there. Which, I mean, that's what we did. But if, and if I'm saying it to anyone else, like, if you don't do it, if you don't do it now, when are you going to do it? And luckily, yeah, we had some people that supported us in doing that at the time. But, um, yeah, I'm, look, I guess I'd be, I'm just glad that we sort of did that at the time. But yeah, it'd be. Just get in, get, get in there and have a go, educate yourself and have a go.
1: How has Parker's own strategy changed as he has grown in investment maturity?
0: So we would always try and keep um, one or two in a in a project uh, as we went. So we, we did build up a, a portfolio and then we'd get to a point we'd go, you know what, we probably need some capital and we sell some and then we'd, we'd do the same thing again. So yeah, look, our, our portfolio is worth about $10 million personally at the moment. Um, of which again, some of that we're selling. We've got some properties in Ballarat, and Ballarat market's going quite strongly at the moment. So I just figure that's a good time to be to be selling it. Um, again, nothing apart from the house we live in is an emotional uh, purchase, but everything else is has got a really just a number and a return attached. So um, we, even though we're building a portfolio, uh, that doesn't mean that um, that it has to stay there forever. And I guess the thing that has changed is that our the portfolio that we're building now is more a or based on a, a return of a rental return like a, a significantly positive rental return rather than something that might be for capital growth.
1: So, what's next for Parker? Anything else for him to conquer?
0: What we're doing at the moment is we're setting up um, I guess the education up front because I, I've been on the front end of selling. Uh, the last couple of months because I wanted to actually get in there and see what it's like to to sell property um, and to talk to people. So I've, I've realised that first-home buyers and a lot of investors actually don't really know what they're doing. Um, so that's part, a big part of the reason why we want to start the education events to for first-home buyers to actually explain to them what a contract is and how to buy and what the purchase costs will be and what your holding costs will be. So people don't jump into stuff without actually having some sort of method I guess, method to the madness. Um, I guess it's not only about that process but where to buy and what's likely to achieve capital growth and all those sort of things as well. So um, I'm excited to build that education side of the business which is new for us.
1: Parker says the best parts of his achievements haven't been financial at all but something else entirely.
0: Elise and I have always loved helping people so um, yeah, that's one thing that we're excited about doing. Um, the property continuing to deliver high-quality properties into the market that are that are great for owner-occupiers and also investors. Uh, we're finding that even though we're doing, I guess, quite high spec, we try to always be best in market, um, that we're getting a lot of investors that are buying our product because it's high quality the warranties are good they always get great tenants the tenants stay in there so from that point of view we're yeah we're excited to continue to deliver those sort of projects and the third part of it then is to offer the ongoing management so our mission statement is satisfaction beyond the keys which is um, as a developer, not only selling you something um, but also managing it for you and, and making and standing by it and making sure it's going to be a, a great project or a great property or a great investment for you into the future. Um, and so that if something does go wrong, you've got us to turn to, who know everything about the property we created it. Uh, we organise the builder and we, we know who to contact if, if something does go wrong and happy to support people in that process.
1: Thank you to Dean Parker, our guest on this episode of Property Investory.